Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern. My name is Mush Hughes. And I'm Lee Northup. And together, we talk to makers and artists to learn more about the stories behind their projects and their creative journeys so far. Thanks for joining us here in the Tavern for Chapter 3, where all of our stories were told during WorkbenchCon 2023 in Atlanta, Georgia. As we explored more of WorkbenchCon, we found ourselves suddenly in what felt like someone's living room, replete with comfortable chairs, tables with treats strewn about, and what looked like a homemade bookshelf full of books on the wall. Before I fully understood where I was, I was being welcomed into House of Esperanza and started learning about the journey and the community building that Monica Chavez, Aaron Benyaski, and the rest of their crew are sharing. Monica, the CEO and creative force behind House of Esperanza, shares educational, entertaining, and inspiring stories, and Aaron spends her days juggling parenthood, projects, and everything in between. We sat down and heard stories from them about rediscovering identity, influence versus impacts, and finding and filling cups with our communities online. Welcome back to the tavern. We're still at WorkbenchCon. We're still having a great time. We're getting a chance to sit down with House of Esperanza. We have Monica, the founder, and Anne, who's the project manager, and we're really excited to learn more about what's going on. Ladies, welcome to the tavern. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing and how we got to be doing it. My name is Monica. Like Hi, Monica. I said, founder of House of Esperanza. I started creating content on the internet over 10 years ago. And it didn't necessarily stem from a good thing. Um, I lost my first son unexpectedly and found myself really looking for something bigger than myself. Um, I found making again, started crafting, started sewing, crocheting, woodworking, learning all of the things that I could get my hands on because I had lost my creative self when I became a mom. And I was trying to find this person that had gone away because I didn't have anything after I lost my son. And I started blogging, started sharing with the world. It became my outlet, my creative outlet, and also a way to find community online. Started finding my people. Started finding people that really connected with my story, uplifted and supported me when I most needed it. And here we are, 13 years later, and I've got a project manager to help me with my DIYs and all the ideas that I want to see come to life and we're building a community of content creators that are also passionate about different things and I really want to tap into the community of people that have been marginalized, black and brown creators, makers, and everyone that really has been pushed out of the space and feel like they don't belong in other places, and other groups, at other conferences. So we're making our own table and we're just inviting everybody to it. That's awesome. You bring up just a couple really interesting things right off the bat that so many people found making as like that inspiration in their lives and like that thing that you used it as a as a healing tool which I think is incredibly powerful like I don't think that that's most people's journeys most people are trying to um, you know just be inspired or whatever and you found making is like that thing that's gonna just make you feel better which I think is is really neat and then you just dive right in and we've been hitting on this but the community piece and those people that are there to put your their arms around you in times of need um, in your sense that was a true time of need and we've been talking about like just in the last episode we were talking about time of need being when they had a bookcase that was a terrible, like miserable failure and people came to the rescue. But in your case, it was something so much bigger than that and so much more real than a thing or a resin pour or whatever. But it was a time where those those makers came together for you. And that's, that's really special. Thank you. So 
why don't we talk about like kind of um, your story about how you got started as the creative. So back up like way, like little girls, like, and you know, you obviously, it wasn't just at that point that you're like, hey, I'm a creative person. Right. Um, Cause you talked about the motherhood, you kind of lost that. But where did it begin? Where did it start? As far back as I can remember. I was following my dad who was the fixer in the house. We didn't have a lot of resources. We, we were poor. And if something where did, broke, where did you grow up? In San Jose, California, okay. on the east side, for everybody who knows. <laughs> um, we didn't have a lot, so we made do with what we had. And being resourceful, thrifting, sustainability, all of those things that are like trendy now were out of necessity wow. coming from an immigrant family or first generation, not having a lot. So that was how we lived. I repurposed containers, and now it's like, oh, you know, <laughs> so DIY comes from the need to create out of what you have. Okay. And I was following my dad around, fixing things with my own little hammer, my own little overalls from as young as I can remember, learning the basics and tools from him. I was with my mom learning how to sew and how to sew all of our clothes and mend them when they were ripped or torn or needed to be hemmed or let out. And I found myself, I was I, one out of seven children that really took on that creative spark. And my parents just helped fuel it without knowing that that's what they were doing. They would let me paint my bedroom whatever color I wanted. They would, one time I saw Martha Stewart craft where they broke dishes and made like a mosaic. I went in the kitchen and started breaking dishes. <laughs> and like, we weren't gonna be able to afford, but my mom didn't get mad. So that helped me. And it's just, it's, I've never not known a time as a kid where I was not constantly wanting to create or make or break something and put it back together. Nice. Fast forward, motherhood, you, once you become a parent, you're completely just in the like thick of it. And you're not surviving for yourself. You're doing what you need to do for the other people you're trying to literally keep alive. Right. And a lot of parents, in particular those who identify as women, lose themselves in the process. They forget who they are, their bodies change, their mental health changes. Some are on medication, some are postpartum depression. Do not have a supportive network around them because they're isolated with this tiny person who is a stranger to them. Right. So I am finding in my community when I meet other people, especially women who are parents, that they too have lost themselves. And they are reminded with our content, oh, creativity, I think I have that. I think I once did something, let me get on Pinterest, or let me watch this tutorial. It's such a big impact. It's not influence for us as, as a brand, as part of our identity. We want to have an impact on people's lives. We get messages from women, um, a woman in particular, I remember she was divorced, husband took all the tools. She went and bought her first own power tool and fixed a light switch or something like, you know, a light fixture. And she was so damn proud of herself. And she felt empowered by the other people that were around her online doing all of that. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's really great. So project manager, same question to you. How did that start? Where did you start as far as your creative journey? So I've been a lifelong maker. I've been a creative as long as I can remember. I remember way back I had random fabric that I found in my house and I used to hand needle and I made a little shirt for myself. And I was probably like six. Um, and I've always had a creative, just a need to do things with my hands. And I really picked up power, power tools when I was in high school and I did stagecraft. And we had to be resourceful because we, I was a public school student and we used what we had. And um, 
so I got really comfortable with tools with the indestructible nature of a teenager <laughs> and I got really comfortable with them and then I grew out of that and I went on to college and studied something completely different and then I went and got married and had kids and like a lot of people in 2020 when we were all stuck in our houses I needed to do something I had two young kids and I needed to do something that stimulated my mind and I needed to do something with my hands and so I picked up, I was making just like little signs with vinyl, but I built the frames and I built the background and it just felt good to just do something with myself, with my hands that wasn't talking to a three-year-old. As much as I love my kids, I needed something that was going to stimulate my mind. And um, after that, I started doing things around my house. We had just moved to my house. It was a blank slate. Nothing had been updated since 2000 when it was built and it was wonderful. It was exactly what we wanted. And I was like, uh, we need a new mantle. Built a mantle. The, our table didn't quite fit the space. Built a table. <laughs> and it was not, this is not something that I did regularly since I was in high school. And so I started looking online. I followed Monica, found out she was local to me, made her a sign. And then we got connected. She texted me, at, uh, I need help with the deadline. We're really behind. And I showed up and she goes, can you grab the circular saw? And she I didn't realize this was such a big deal. She's like, you knew what that was. <laughs> you knew what a circular saw was. I, did, I didn't realize that was like the bare minimum, but then we've been inseparable since. That's amazing. Monica, as you were talking, I, I could visualize you breaking those dishes. And what I see, and you're like, mom never got mad. Like, I'm just picturing your mom trying to chase the other six kids around the house and be like, what's Monica doing this time? And you know what? That's probably what it was. That's definitely wasn't even worth the energy. And it wasn't even like a cute project. I finished it and I did it and I made them take me to Michael's to get the stuff that I needed. And it just, yeah. But it was yours and you did it. Yeah. So do you have, for Monica, it was her dad, did you have people in your family, in your life that inspired you to, to stay with it? Or was it like, was it a teacher? Was it the stagecraft class? What? It was my theater teacher, absolutely. Because he really, um, like, like, poured into me and really believed in my capabilities and really trusted in my gut instincts. And my dad was a maker, my dad as an engineer. Um, and so I remember there being a table saw in my garage, and I remember there being screws and stuff in the garage. And my dad liked to fix things, but it was never, it was, um, my dad, his love language is acts of service, so he just did it. It was never like a teaching moment. It was just him, and he did it, and he fixed it, and it was done. And so that was my experience with power tools and my dad. But. You know what I think is so cool is, as you guys both described the like influences, it was, I'm guessing, a male teacher, Absolutely. right? Male theater Absolutely. teacher and two dads. And the fact that you guys are changing the face of that role model, like that is so super cool. And talking to Shar earlier, like, I'm excited for that next generation yeah. when when we're old curmudgeons and you know Mush and I are sitting there and I'm like what Monica you know and I'm trying to figure out what you guys are saying because I can't hear anymore but I'm hoping that these girls that are sitting these women will be women are sitting on the other side of the table be like you know who inspired me Monica from House of Esperanza <laughs> and my mom like those are the things yeah. I want to hear my mom was a really rad maker because right now. Every, almost every single episode, it's some sort of male yeah, historical yeah. figure, and the fact that you guys are changing the face of that is is rad. It's yeah. it's really awesome. I love that you say that because when we get together, 
And it's not always when our kids are, you know, in school or being taken care of. There are times where we get together and it's just four kids under six running around and it's chaos. And we're just like, no, we're going to do this. It's going to make us happy. The kids are fine. The kids are good. They love each other most of the time. <laughs> Sometimes. Where was I going with this? Um, so our daughters watch us. Mm-hmm. Our daughters see us working. And to them, they know nothing different. Mm-hmm. And it makes me so happy. And my daughter's two years old. And I was putting together a, a bird bath in my backyard. She comes out. And I'm like, oh, I need a screwdriver. And she's like, okay, runs inside. No, we have the like tabletop screwdriver for all the kids' toys and you know batteries. Knew what it was. Two-year-old little girl knew what a screwdriver, a Phillips head screwdriver. That's glorious. Brought it to me. I put the screws in and then she helped. And I let her and she just, she was so proud of herself. She's two years old. Yeah. And so that allows us to kind of break down that word influencer. Like yeah. as, a, as a parent, as a woman, as a, you know, somebody on social media with a very large presence, like what does that mean to you to be in that spotlight as far as a woman that's going to be influencing girls to be like, I can do that, I can do this. Cause it's not just these things back in our day, it was down in my grandpa's workshop or it was, you know, in your, you know, in the kitchen or whatever, but like, like now it's mm-hmm. on Instagram, it's on YouTube and yeah. they can, you can impact so many more people than just the people that are in your house. And you hit the nail on the head with the word impact. Influence kind of is like a, a dirty word. There's a lot of stereotype to it. So we've been kind of trying to move away from that. Um, because... I'll never use it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I will proudly wear that title of influencer because I know that that's what I am. But for us, it's about impact. Mm. How am I going to impact this person for the rest of their lives and possibly even after them? So being on the internet and, you know, just telling stories online to people that you connect with that has impact on other things. I, I've done what I came to this earth to do. And you know, that's what I feel like. very clear. I've gotten a chance to see you talk to just a couple of people who are walking up and say, hey, what's your deal? And you get them pretty much turned around, oriented, and basically sprinting down the path of, of how to like look out for themselves. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what you see your role as in terms of, of like you've gotten on your journey so far and now you're trying to, to reach out. What does that look like for you? For a long time, when anyone would ask, what's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? I was always embarrassed that I didn't have a clear answer. And what I realized was what I want to do does not exist yet. I want, I wanted to be an influencer before that was a thing. I was creating content online and people would ask me, I'm like, ah, I just, I want to, you know, tell stories and do lifestyle and I want to do projects, but have other people pay for them. And they were like, what? I, so I feel like that doesn't exist yet. I haven't found it yet. It hasn't found me yet. And I'll know when it comes. Cool. So when I walk into your shop in the other room, like it's funny cause you know, you go to the total boat and you know what to expect yeah. with the good people at total boat. And yeah. you go into the, um, you know, the saber tooth people and like everybody's got their tools and their stuff. I, I was sitting on the couch, just having a conversation. You've got the bookcase behind you and it's, it's this like living room feel mm-hmm. explain. Like, I'm just curious about where this brand came from and like how you kind of thought through like the scene that you bring because it's it's original and unique the booth idea it was Erin's idea all credits to her on that that was a very good creative design 
like move on her part. Thank you. As the project manager. <laughs> um, we were brainstorming, what do we do? Do we come early? Do we build? What's our budget? Trying to figure out what vibe we wanted to bring with this here. And in our online network with content creators, we host something called happy hour. It's very casual, it's virtual. We talk about, it's, it's you know, just hang around like 2 a.m. at the bar, right. right? Having conversation. And we wanted to bring that vibe, but sophisticated, huh. and tell the story of House of Esperanza. I did not wear my ascot to the House of Esperanza. <laughs> I, I, I left it at home. And the backdrop of the bookcase, that's in my house, that's a DIY. It's one of the things that people know my brand for. So we wanted to make it clear for anyone walking in, oh, that's Monica's here. House right. of Bronze is here. The library is here. And also it just brings this feel of like, welcome to my ho- my home, my huh. house that was built on hope, on hope. And that's what House of Bronze is. That's so cool. But where did you, how did you? Oh, I just wanted to find something that was like iconic to the House of Bronze and like represent us as a, as a team mm-hmm. and yeah, give the vibe that we bring when we go somewhere. We want people to feel, com- feel comfortable yeah. and to feel at home and relaxed and just open up the conversation to grow in community. Were there any female makers back in the day? Like you guys talked about your grandfather or your fathers and your, were there any females in your life? I mean, your mom didn't yell at you for breaking dishes, <laughs> but. So my mom was a, a maker. She's a, a sewist, a seamstress. She makes wedding gowns, beautiful gowns. Oh, has- wow amazing amazing and taught herself how to do that so I still consider her a maker and I consider a sewing machine my first power tool like an industrial sewing machine is scary mm-hmm. it's just as scary as a table saw for like anybody who's you know. just got one and yeah you can put a needle through your finger yes. pretty yes. darn absolutely. quick yes absolutely so I consider that my first power tool my mom's a maker for sure Martha Stewart I idolized yes. her yeah. from a yep. young age. I Mother idolized her. Yes, but I didn't see myself in her or anything. She was a stay-at-home housewife. She right. loved her dinner parties, and that's what she was doing, setting tablescapes and having her garden. We grew food out of necessity so we could eat, you know? But I idolized her. When her line came out, I remember at Michael's, I think it was I had a job in high school, and I scrounged up my money, and I went and I bought a bunch of craft supplies. Like, all of the tools that she was putting out, I was buying. I was learning what I could from her. Magazines and her books and all the TV shows. But again, I did not connect or relate to that. And that was the only other person outside my family that I think I hold in that regard. Erin, do you have anybody? Uh, my mom was... I think she has creative nature about her, but she never found a medium that really spoke to her. So I have memories of her like going to little parties where they would... Um, paint like stepping stones for your garden and I remember going to like those pottery where they paint pottery but nothing that ever stuck that was like a passion of hers so not really so and again just so cool that you guys are blazing that trail um something you said really resonated with me and it was your mom taught herself these things like when when people say that now like I teach myself everything because I have access to the internet and I can just look it up and I'm not above asking a 12 year old for help you know be if there's something that I don't know how to do or a video like edit that I don't know how to do I'm gonna like just get online and I'm just gonna figure it out but when I think back to your mom teaching herself how to sew like Mm -hmm. there wasn't YouTube videos that she could just get on like it had to be like that traditional word of mouth or having somebody else like teach you or figure it authentically figure it out like 
figuring it out now, like for these kids that we're teaching, it's pretty darn easy. Like mm -hmm. you can just watch a video and I can watch, <laughs> you know, Monica and Aaron make something rad and I can just pause it and follow the, you know, follow the blueprints. Yep. Um, but gosh, think about that whole thing way back then of teaching yourself truly how to do something. I don't yep. even know what that looks like. I know, and we're talking like flower sacks, you know, as, as the fabric <laughs> and hand stitching. That's absolutely crazy. Um, you guys talked about community and that's that's where we started and that's where I, I want to go because this community is so special mm -hmm. um, we again we started that with putting our arms around you when you need somebody so um, as we sit here with our with our friends and we've heard them referred to as you know the, the cousins that you know and the cousins you don't know and the cousins you haven't met yet um, how do you guys think of this workbench con community or the maker community like what is what does that community mean to you I've always said that anything I do well in my life I have done because I have a community that supports me. And so uh, having a community of other makers that are experiencing similar experiences in creating, not just with a medium, but also creating online and talking about the things that the people that I know in real life don't really understand. I can't oh, talk to the people in real life about content creation because it's not their space. They don't understand it. It sounds foreign. It sounds kind of like a made up job, you know? So having other people who are experiencing similar experiences at this time in their life has been just super impactful. Same. So much same. <laughs> Ditto. No, it, it, it's great because like very much on what she was saying, back home, I don't know any other person that does what we do that we, you know, we can hang out and do this with. So we look forward to this all year long so we can connect you know, have drinks, eat, all the things. And it's great to go back home with that like cup to be full. And when we know it, when we left Maker Camp this year, like there was this hangover because you oh, yeah. get around yeah. these creative people for, you know, a couple days and you're like, I just want to live here. Seriously, I want to put like a sleeping bag on the carpet. And I'm sure the hotel would not be okay with it. <laughs> um, but I do feel the cavernous pool area, um, there's like a whole living room inside the locker room. I'm and there was nobody there. I'm pretty sure I could set up camp there. And I'm not sure what my wife would say about there it. There might, might be a be liability thrilled. problem there. Yeah, but it was it was very comfortable. So yeah, you should check it out at some point because this just might be. Oh, well, I guess. But when all the makers go home, it won't be nearly as lovely. That's true. Yeah. So just get them to stay. Yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. We could just set up what's what <laughs> we'll, like we'll occupy a territory. Was like, there room for everyone? I, there could be like this is a big hotel like remember the way that people occupied Alcatraz yeah um, we could do that with uh -huh. the Renaissance Hotel and like just take this place over it'd be, it'd be good <laughs> take down Renaissance rename it the House of Esperanza there yeah go. it's, it's gonna be amazing but so, yes hangover yeah. very real yes. yeah I will go home and sleep for a week after yeah. this yeah, and I don't mean that as like a bad hangover, like my head hurts and no. you know, there is no. a little bit of that. This, but this when your heart hurts. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah, the peopling. Yep. Yeah. You know, peopling, that's yeah. a good one. That's what I call it, because I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. That's not difficult, it's... <laughs> I'm making a face, sorry. I'll send you a video later when we get back to our room and we're sitting in silence scrolling on our phones, because okay. that's what it'll look like when we leave this space. All right. Like, I being by myself and not having to speak. Fair and enough. I like my space. That kind like of introvert makes a lot of sense. Okay. I do a lot of thinking. Yep. I do a lot of analyzing. I'm a good listener. Yep. Getting me to small talk successfully and make friends it's is tricky. Is tricky. Mm -hmm. But you give me a work, you give me a job, you give me, you want to talk shop, we can do that all day. Something you're passionate so. about? Yeah. Yes. Pretty clear. Yeah. Awesome. What's next for House of Esperanza? 
We are currently working on a property that we acquired that we're going to turn into our version of a maker's space for yeah. Maker's Camp. Yes. Um, it's going to be the House of Esperanza headquarters and it's going to house studio space uh, for content creators to come and film and shoot and it'll be set up beautifully so that if I'm a mom and I'm running around with my kids and I got to shove everything off my kitchen table to take a decent photo, like right. now you can come here. We've got lights and cameras and all the things. Um, Airbnb, set up retreats, set up uh, in-person workshops for com- other in-person community members to come and learn about tools. And it's just, I have, we have so many, so many big dreams, so many big goals. But. So EsperanzaCon next year, is that like? <laughs> Maybe 2025. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, in a couple of weeks, we do have, we're hosting a House of Esperanza, School of Esperanza retreat. Yes. Oh, nice. Cool. Uh, where content creators from all over the country are coming. And it's kind of like this, but on a more intimate level intimate level mm-hmm. absolutely so so we can have these conversations and it's not in formal classroom mm-hmm. but yeah. it's sitting around a bonfire sitting around dinner talking shop making connections and we're gonna have some spe- a handful of experts there other makers who are really good at a very specific thing and are able to pass on that information so the school of Esperanza umbrella exists for content creators house of Esperanza is like the overall big community for any and everyone who wants to be a part of it, whether you're a maker, content creator, a grandma, a 16-year-old, like anybody is welcome. That's awesome. Cool. Friends, thank you so much for these stories. These have been awesome. We've really enjoyed this. Um, where can people go to, to stay up to date with what's going on? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, how can people learn more about what's going on with you as we go forward? Um, Instagram is where I <laughs> live and sleep. House of, it's House of Esperanza. There are dots in between the words, so just be you know, know it's House dot of dot Esperanza. Um, you can catch me there. DM. I've got all the links in my bio. Um, I've got links for consultations, whether it's an influencer consultation if you're a content creator, or a DIY consultation. Links in my bio, houseofesperanza.com for our blog and plans that Aaron puts together, tutorials. What else? Where, where else are we? Um, you can follow Aaron at Aaron Makes Things on Instagram. Aaron with two N's. Yes. Aaron with two N's. Please. <laughs> yes. Hmm. A lot of is hats. that E R I N N. Okay, cool. Um, cool. A lot of hats. You wear them well. Sweet. Thank you. It's been a blast. All right. Um, in just a second, I'm going to uh, invite you to toast this out. Before we do that, I want to give a thank you to Total Boat. They're helping make this chapter happen. Um, so appreciate it, guys. Thank you, Total Boat. And um, thank you, WorkbenchCon. Friends, as we always do, we'd love for you to toast us out in a toast of your choice. Uh, cheers to the makers and those who are impacting our lives. Cheers. cheers. We just heard from Monica Chavez and Aaron Binyaski from House of Esperanza. You should check out more about them and what they do by checking out their Instagram, house.of.esperanza. And Aaron makes things. That's Aaron with two N's. Both of those are linked in the show notes. And that does it for this episode of Chapter 3 of the Storyteller's Tavern. We hope you enjoyed and will join us next time. But until then, you can find us on Instagram at sttavernpod or at sttavernpod.com. If you haven't yet, you can subscribe to this podcast in the podcatcher of your choice, where you're also able to review the show and give it up to a five-star review. If you're enjoying these episodes and want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash sttavernpod and sign up to become a patron of the show, which will not only help us make this show, but will also give you access to all of our Another Round episodes, where we sometimes let the mics roll for a little bit extra after we toast. All the stories in this chapter were made possible by WorkbenchCon and TotalBoat. Check them both out online at workbenchcon.com and totalboat.com, respectively. Thank you both so much. And finally, if you or a maker you know have a story that you'd like to share at the tavern or just want to drop us a line, 
You can send us a message on Instagram or reach out to us at contact at storytellerstavernpod.com. But until next time, keep making cool stuff, do good, and be well. Thank you.